Hi, and welcome to the Beham Brothers Podcast. On this episode, we're discussing the Missouri Tigers season predictions. Year four under Eli Drinkwitz. Can he survive another losing record? Plus, how close was this team in 2022, and can they cause some chaos in 2023? Send us your thoughts, and don't forget to follow and subscribe to Beham Brothers on Twitter and Facebook, where we share the latest SEC stories and our unsolicited opinions. All right, Emmett, we're here to talk about uh, Missouri football. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about Missouri football? Mediocrity. Wow. I know that's harsh, uh, but again, since 2014, that was the last time they went to the SEC championship. Yeah. They haven't been. Which is more than a lot of SEC teams can say. Yeah, it's very true. However, that lack of relevance has just, you know, you kind of start to forget about them. And that could be part of why I think they're mediocre. However, you look at the schedule last year and you see all those close games that they couldn't win. That's a sign of just like not having that that one X factor that sets you apart, which is where mediocrity comes from. You know. Yeah, you know. I mean, I I I agree. I mean, for the, what seems like since twenty fourteen, it's ten years almost. You know, this is a team that hasn't had a whole lot of ups. And has had a whole lot of downs. Um, you know, not a program that has necessarily recruited exceptionally well, although Eli Drinkwitz has been able to pull in a few five stars here and there. I mean, you know, he's able to get one, and it's really kind of a, you know, most people are surprised by it because yeah. of that, you know, mediocre record that they usually have. You don't look at Missouri and think powerhouse five star recruiting school. You think. This guy has about got to be from Missouri and a Missouri homer. Uh, you just—they're not Alabama. They're not Georgia. They're not these schools that can go out and pick. I want you and get them. They're—they've got to try really hard. And I think the other thing that comes into play here is that since 2014, there are a few years there, you know, where the East was still sort of the downside. Yeah. But here over the past two, three, four years, really since Mark Stoops has been. I'd say at Kentucky, um, you know, you've had Shane Beamer now at uh, at South Carolina. You've had, you know, Josh Heupel at Tennessee. The East has really, really improved. Even the first couple of years of Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen was fairly good at, at Florida for a while. Yeah, I agree. I, the East, it's feeling like the 90s again or early 2000s. Uh, the East is, I would argue, this say stronger than the West, and it's clear. I don't think it's even close, really. Yeah, I think I think overall depth. They're probably. I think when you look at the East, you can probably determine who's good and who's bad more easily from that conference. Yeah. And I think their good teams are are really solid. The West, it seems like this year in particular, just has a ton of questions. I don't know that anything's defined on the West. Yeah, side. it's like we said the, uh, in the last podcast. It's it's cannibalism going on in the West. So uh, maybe, maybe that's why with I think that the East is like better than the West now because. We're all beating each other over here on the West, so the record looks really bad. Even though these teams are still solid, I'm not, the West isn't bad, but comparatively to the past decade, the West has gotten significantly worse. Yeah, you know, and this team, uh, you know, they return a good bit on defense. Defense was their strong suit last year, uh, ranked 33rd overall in total defense, uh, which is a really, really solid score. I mean, you know, most teams hope for – a top 50, if you can be top 50 in both offense and defense, you know, you're typically going to have a pretty solid record. It's going to come down to some matchups you might play. Um, 
their real you know weakness has been on offense and really unfortunately they don't return a ton on offense they they do get Brady Cook back this year um, they do have their uh, Cody Schrader coming back is pretty good running back um, you know they get uh, Luther Burden uh, back at wide receiver um, that was a you know a five star guy that they had a few years ago um, you know they get a couple of offensive linemen but overall not a ton. Defensively, I think they return uh, seven, eight starters on defense, which is good. I mean, when you have a defense that was that good, that's good that you have that many coming back. Yeah, experience is one of those things that's hard to beat. However, we were talking, um, yeah, just because you're returning players doesn't mean that you're going to be good because you can return crappy players. Uh, look at Auburn's offensive line last year. You know, it wasn't anything to brag about, and they were all returners. Yeah, Auburn had the same uh, starting five, I believe, returning at least for Auburn. I don't, I, I don't believe all starting five ended up starting by season's end. You know, every game, but um, you know, uh, absolutely. Just because those are the five guys, those might be the five, five best guys on your team. That I mean, that they're all you know five SEC caliber players. Just means the rest are worse. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one thing that Missouri has had. You know, just going back to the recruiting. This is not a team that has recruited exceptionally well. They've had some decent recruiting classes upheld by some good quarterback recruiting and a couple of good wide receivers, um, but they haven't had overall depth built through these high school recruiting classes. Yeah. I mean, it takes time. It does. And coming from the East, it's probably probably a little bit harder of a job, especially when you have to look at the fact that you haven't been relevant in 10 years. Um now on the flip side, now they can start saying, "Hey, look at the East. We're we're being competitive again, and you can be the game-changing player that makes Missouri one of the top three teams in the SEC East, top two, maybe even win the whole thing. Who knows? Uh, do I see it happening next year or this year? No, uh, <laughs> but it's still possible. And Eli Drinkwitz, I'm sure he's going to start pitching that to people if he's a good coach. Yeah. So let's. Uh... You know, let's take a look and, and really break down, uh, you know, who they've got coming back, what they've got coming back. So, uh, at the helm, as we mentioned, they've got Brady Cook returning um, as a quarterback. Uh, solid starter. Um, he did have shoulder surgery in January, so some qu- some questions there coming back. In fact, some people are calling for Jake Garcia to be the starting quarterback instead of Brady Cook. Um, I thought Cook played Played fairly well last year. I don't think he did anything to necessarily lose the job. Uh, I don't think so either. I think, I mean, again, we, we talk about it. Uh, Missouri should have beat Auburn. Um, yeah. I think their running back is really their their highlight on their offense, I would say. I mean, he shredded our defense pretty pretty good. And yeah. Auburn's run defense wasn't bad. Right. No. no. No, 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 no. Our pass defense was pretty good. Our run yeah, defense was that's trash. Right. Yes. Yeah. So maybe it was just us making the running back look good. Uh, <laughs> maybe so. Um, so uh, they get Brady Cook back. They do have Cody Schrader coming back. He was a good running back. Uh, I mean, overall last year, um, he rushed for um, a good bit of yards there. He had um, a total of uh, 744 yards, which isn't, isn't terrible. He's the best running back on their team. Not necessarily a 1,000-yard rusher, but they do spread the ball around. Brady Cook also does run a good bit. So 
somewhat of a you know Jaden Daniels type effect there, where hey, if your quarterback's taken off, your running back's not getting as many touches uh, per game. Uh, but he was solid for him. He did it. He did a decent job. Um, again, they do get Luther Burden the third back, five star, twenty twenty two recruit. Um, you know they're going to move him into the slot position. They're going to try to move him around a little bit more. Um, I believe he's got a good bit of size on him. Um, so they'll try to use that height to their to uh, his advantage. Um, you know, then they get uh, the two offensive line that have come back are Javon Foster and Xavier Delgado. Um, all uh, their center is a junior. Then they have uh, two sophomore, a sophomore and a senior starting on the other side. So, you know, four or five are upperclassmen. Again, goes back to your comment. You know, recruiting doesn't necessarily. I mean, uh, your 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 experience doesn't necessarily equate to uh, success on the field. Now, you can be ineffective and be a re- returner and what's the point if you're ineffective you have to go out there and perform at the level that is required to win and returning doesn't mean you're going to be able to do that you have to actually have the talent and the skill or your coach has to be able to coach you up to that point that's right yeah and and you know i mean for for as much as i you know was praising brady cook he wasn't the greatest quarterback in the world he made some mistakes um he threw seven interceptions last year to 14 touchdowns, not stellar numbers. Um, he did uh, throw for over 2,700 yards. You know, he, he's a, he's an up-and-down quarterback, and, and I think that's something, you know, we've talked about kind of themes throughout the SEC. We've talked about uncertainty, talked about questions. Um, he is one of those quarterbacks that you look at and you say, oh, well, he's got experience, but, you know, a lot like Spencer Rattler, um, a lot like maybe a Jackson Dart. You know, you've got some of these guys that have some a lot of experience but still have a little bit more to prove, a little bit left to to show to make sure that, are you know, are they really all they're hyped up to be? Yeah, I feel like that's a good way to describe, like you said, the entire SEC besides, you know, the top dogs. Uh, it's just inconsistency. Like, all across the board from all players – that aren't in Georgia or LSU or Alabama's programs. Uh, just wild. You'd never know how they're gonna, who's going to come out. Even when Bo Nix was at Auburn, I remember, is this going to be the bow that can throw a dart or is this going to be the bow that overthrows guys by 20 yards? Who knows? Yeah. I'm, and that's not necessarily all on him. Again, our offensive line was really bad. He was running for his life the second he caught the ball. So is that what happens with Missouri? Who knows? I mean – like you said, they're returning guys, but doesn't mean they're good. Yeah, speaking of Bo Nix, that's a guy who has been, you know, in the Heisman talk for this year. Yeah. Um, so, obviously has the talent. I mean, I think Brady Cook has the talent. When you watch him, his highlights are top-notch. It's that consistency that he's got to mm-hmm. have. A lot of that does come from the offensive line. Um, they have had some weaknesses there. I still think they'll have some weaknesses this year. So, let's let's run through their 2022 schedule. Um, you know, one thing I, w- I want to point out here. Um, I think they had six one-score games. Um, you know, we mentioned on the last podcast, they only allowed 30 or more points in three games last year. So that's nine games where they allowed their opponent, they only allowed their opponent to have, you know, up to 20, uh, 20, 20 some odd points. So that's a really solid defensive team. And again, that's going to be their strength this year. So I'm interested to see if Eli Drinkwitz can slow it down a little bit and maybe lean on that defense, get them some rest so they can stay in games for a while, all those type things. So let's run through this 2022 season, a team that went 
six and seven overall and three and five in the SEC. They started the season last year uh, with Louisiana Tech, won that game 52-24. Not a real shocker there. They then went and played at K-State, and they lost that game 40-12. to They lost that game 40-12. to Now, I think things turn around for K-State um, this year. I don't think they're going to be returning as much this year. Um, this Maybe a little bit of a shocker, but we'll 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 get to the twenty three schedule for Missouri here in just a minute. They go, they play Abilene Christian, be Abilene Christian thirty four seventeen. Um, then they play uh, then they play at Auburn um, in a game that was really you know all the scuttlebutt around town was that if Harson lost that game, he would have been fired uh, that game. And we've talked about it, and Missouri still somehow failed. Yeah, I mean they had they had more than a few chances to win that game last year. They, um, I know there was a field goal late that um, could have won the game. I think in the last few seconds. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Thirty five won it in regulation. Yeah, and then um, and then they had you know of course in overtime they had the touchdown to win it, and the guy literally drops the ball, almost throws the ball into the end zone I, as he's reaching out for it. I mean, I like a lot of people do kind of crap on him for that play that play right there where he's stretching out that's got to be like very athletic to be able to stretch out a ball while getting hit and hold on to the ball like i don't blame him necessarily but again you're playing in the sec that's a play that's expected to be able to be made which is why i say mediocrity is what describes missouri that play right there is like a perfect summary of it that's a that should be that should have been a touchdown yeah you know you you just and it's, it it is kind of interesting to think about when you think about this offense, you think about this defense. The defense is so steady and so good on that side of the ball. Eli Drinkwitz is known as an offensive guy. He's actually a, a sort of a, a falls under the Gus Malzahn tree there, uh, coaching tree. But yet the offense can't get their feet out from can't get rolling. I mean, they can't get moving at all offensively and and. And you're right, it ends up just being a very mediocre season after season, you know, because he can't figure out that side of the ball. Again, it's just surprising with Drinkwitz. It is very, it's confusing because you sit there and you watch it and you can, I was at the Auburn-Missouri game, I could see a play being developed for him and it just wouldn't, like, fall through. It was like something was stopping the play, like divine intervention. I don't know. But they could not get it together and it it was hard to watch for both sides of the ball, Auburn and Missouri. Yeah, you know, they, they follow that game immediately. They play Georgia. They get Georgia at home. Um, I remember sitting in the stands and, and uh, seeing the scores pop up. I can't remember exactly who Auburn was playing that week. Um, but um, We were losing. Most likely. <laughs> it was LSU. Uh, you're right, it was LSU. That was, that was it. And I remember looking up and, and seeing that, you know, hey, Missouri's winning. Yeah. It's it's the third quarter. It's the fourth quarter. Missouri's winning. You know, every time that quick score would pop up, you know, everybody started kind of looking around. And and then, of course, Georgia scores late and takes the lead and, and then doesn't give it up. So, um, but, you know, again, another game. Another It was a four-point game. Final score, 22-26. Georgia wins. Really Georgia's closest game of the year outside of that Ohio State game in the college football playoff. Um Somehow Missouri just rose up and did that. Uh, then they go, they play in the swamp. They lose to Florida by a touchdown. 
Uh, really kind of surprising game there. Then they beat Vanderbilt, a Vanderbilt team that was on the rise. Uh, beat them 17-14. to 14. Again, all these low scores, you know, yeah. just week in, week out. These are all really low scores in today's era of football. These are just super low scores for a team. Yeah, I mean, a typical low-scoring game is almost considered like 28-21 now. Yeah. And these guys are finishing below that number. So that's kind of crazy to me. It is. It's it's wild that um, they're able to do this. And, and really, I don't feel like they get a whole lot of recognition for that defense. No. Their defense was definitely at the only thing that they could cheer around last year. Yeah, you know, I would hate to actually see Missouri and Iowa play because that would probably be no. like one of the most boring games uh, in, in football. There was actually – didn't Iowa play somebody last year where they just continued? It was like punt from both teams. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Iowa did play somebody last year. It may, may have been Nebraska when they played Nebraska, and it was just – I hope they sell alcohol you know, at their just, games. I uh, almost wanted to pierce out your eyes. <laughs> that game was so bad. Uh, so Missouri, then they go. They play at South Carolina. They beat South Carolina. So now you got back-to-back wins. Beat South Carolina 23-10. to Not really sure how they pulled that game out. Um, you know, they play Kentucky, lose to Kentucky 17-21. Uh, then they lose to at Tennessee 24-66. Um, Tennessee just had their number way one with, offense. Uh, I mean, <laughs> there was not a lot of teams that stopped Tennessee last no. year outside of Georgia. Uh, New Mexico State, uh, Missouri beats New Mexico State. Uh, and then they beat Arkansas 29-27, which is really kind of a surprising game, but they were able to pull out the win. That win gets them to the Gasparilla Bowl where they go on. They lose to Wake Forest. A pretty solid Wake Forest team, but they lose to Wake Forest 17-27. So, again, another kind of up-and-down year. They had some surprising wins in there. I mean, you know, you're talking about beating a pretty decent South Carolina team last year. You beat Arkansas. Um, you know, you have a close game against Georgia. Close. I, I think in most years when you have these type wins or have these close losses – you sit there and you think, oh, man, we're right there. We're right there. Yeah. We're about to get over the hump. Next year is going to be a big year for us. Yeah, I don't really see that happening. No, it just it feels like it's just getting worse. You know, <laughs> there's no – and I'll talk about it, you know, in a couple weeks when we get to Auburn, but there's a different vibe with Auburn than there is with Missouri. There's not a light at the end of the tunnel for Missouri. It doesn't feel like that. And maybe it's just, you know, me not being a Missouri fan, I, I don't know, but – when I look at Missouri, I still see the same exact team from last year, or maybe even a little bit worse. Yeah, and this is Drink's fourth year. Uh, this will be his fourth season in the SEC. He's got an overall losing record of 17-19. and 19. Um, You know, I wonder, you know, is he on the hot seat going into this season? Um, Missouri has typically been a school that really kind of lets their coaches, you know, have, a, have some longevity. Um but uh, I don't know that Drinkwitz really sticks around if he can't pull it together this year. No, I mean, I think if you're a Missouri fan, you got to be looking at the rest of the SEC East, and you're no longer, like, sitting there with them. You're you're now last. You're falling behind yeah. rapidly. You've got to do something to change it. And if he can't, you know, get the two wins or one win that he shouldn't get this year, then uh, he's definitely going to be on a very, very hot seat. Yeah, we talked about in one of the one of the earlier episodes. You know, even Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's getting stadium renovations. Yeah, um, they're pouring money into their football program. You hear Clark Lee talking about how, hey, well, you know, we're a football school that has academics instead of an academic school that has football. You know, they're really pouring in, and you know, Missouri really needs to step up. 
Um, yeah. And they really need to put their best foot forward um, and, and make that take that next step. I, I just I don't think this is going to be the year. I think maybe because they've waited so long to get it going. It's really hard to get off the mat in the SEC once you get knocked down. You've got to hire the right guy. you got to have the right momentum going for you. you got to have a Shane Beamer. you got to have a Josh Heupel. you got to have um, a, you know, a Hugh Freeze type guy. Somebody, you know, even Lane Cadillac. Kiffin. A Cadillac. Somebody I mean, that can come in and energize your fan base and energize um, your boosters, really, let's be frank, to come in, pour in their money, and make your team successful. And I just don't see that happening at Missouri. It doesn't feel like momentum's being built. You know, there's a snowball effect that happens when hope is found. And, again, I don't see hope being found at Missouri right now for football. It just feels like they're stuck in mud. And they're trying to run, but they just can't get out. It's sad. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we look at we look at their twenty twenty three schedule. If you, if you look at their twenty three schedule, their opponents they play. If you look at their team last year, they play four teams who won ten or more games: K State, LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee. Uh, that is a rough stretch. Um, that that is a, a rough stretch. Uh, to go forward. So let's run through that 23 schedule. Let's take a look and, and we'll, we'll give you guys our prediction on on uh, on their season. Um, so start the season off with South Dakota. I, you know I don't think I don't think Missouri, much like Vanderbilt, I don't think they're gonna lose any games that they should win. Um, I think they lose games that they should lose by, yeah. by what their talent level is. But um, I think they go out there, um, they, they lose South Dakota. Uh, then they go play MTSU, Middle Tennessee. They beat Middle Tennessee. Uh, and then they have a tough game against K-State. I think this game is much closer than it was last year. Last year it was a 40-12 to game. But this is not a new Missouri team, and this Kansas State team is not going to go that much further down. Um, in fact, K State, you know, may may challenge again for the Big Twelve championship again. So, um, I, I give I give uh, I give Missouri the loss there for the first yeah. loss of the season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Forty to twelve. You got to you got to significantly disapprove or de improve. <laughs> <laughs> To go from beating somebody forty to twelve to losing, uh, maybe I think it'll be closer. It's in Missouri. Missouri fans, if you go in there and get rowdy, maybe something crazy happens. But I, I think Kansas State is going to get the job done. It's a little surprising too that you know K State had that many points on them, um, but K State was you know a pretty good rushing team last year. That's really what they relied on, um, and so that was you know most likely why I think for for them to uh, beat Missouri. So. Uh, then they play Memphis. I think I think uh, Missouri gets the win against Memphis. Um, although Memphis has has the ability to come up and surprise teams, but I don't think Satterfield there. I honestly don't think Satterfield's going to be at Memphis much longer. He was supposed to be a big name coach. Hasn't really done anything at Memphis. They're going to play in a tough conference this year. Their conference got got harder. The athletic conference did. They kind of meshed some teams from the CUSA as they lost a few teams, uh, most notably. Um, Cincinnati, uh, UCF, and um, now the third team slipping my mind, but nonetheless, Houston. 
um, flip over to the Big 12. Uh, so, again, so far, first four games of the season, we've got Missouri 3-1, and one, solid start to the season. Then the SEC slate starts, and this is where things get tough. They go, they play on the road at Vanderbilt. I think Vanderbilt gets a big win versus Missouri, probably a close game. Um, but I think Vandy has improved enough this year, year over year, to come out and, and beat Missouri. Yeah, I think so too. And that goes back to that, where's the momentum swinging? It's not swinging in Missouri's favor right now. So it's hard. It's To me, it was harder to pick Missouri over Vandy than it was for me to pick Vandy over Missouri. Because when I look at Vandy, I'm like, they're, they're doing something there. Something's going on there. Yeah, it seems like they've got some momentum. Last year's game was a three-point game. The game was in Missouri, so you figure – Okay, this year it's in, uh, it's at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, the fans again, will be extra quiet. The, the fans <laughs> will be extra quiet, which sometimes can play in your favor, I guess, if it's, you know, a little eerily quiet, eerily silent there. Um, so, you know, I think Vandy gets a loss there. Then they it gets it doesn't get any better. Then they go on a, a stretch here. So they play Vandy, LSU, at Kentucky, and South Carolina all back to back to start out their SEC slate. I think they lose to LSU. I just don't see any way that they no. can come up and beat yeah, them. Yeah, LSU is going to – I mean, it'll be them playing with their food a little bit. I, in fact, that might be Missouri's chances. LSU goes into it not thinking anything, but I don't think they will because, again, we talked about it with the LSU broadcast. They're coming out trying to prove something because they're not getting – they're not being disrespected in the sense that people think they're going to go 6-6, six and six, but they're not being respected to the point where it's like, this team won the SEC West last year. They went to the SEC Championship. They're a good team, and yet they're not getting that kind of treatment. Yeah, I think the best thing that happened to LSU was that they got picked second in the West. Um, I think it's a team that, like we've said before, they just didn't get a whole lot of hype. You know, it's it's a team that really hasn't garnered that much respect. I think a lot of – feels like a lot of people are throwing them in. There's been a lot of conversation about Alabama – of course, a lot of conversation about Georgia, Michigan, um, you know, hey, where's Ohio State? All these things. And it seems like LSU is that, you know, sort of top five team that sort of just kind of gets left in the shadows. Yeah, and I I don't understand it. Uh, again, we have them going undefeated. Yeah. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to find a loss on their schedule. In fact, I think the closest game that they play is the Florida State game, uh, LSU does, because it's the first game of the year. Yeah, I agree, and I think both those teams, top ten teams, um, sh- that should be a really good game. That's a great, great opening week of yeah. football, great way to open the season. So Missouri, uh, they, they're they going to lose to LSU, we think. Uh, then they go play at Kentucky. That Kentucky team is going to be good this year. I think so, too. I think they're definitely a huge sleeper in the SEC East. Um, they're playing at Kentucky. Those fans do know how to get crazy. Yeah. Uh, Auburn played him in 2010 and just about beat us with, you know, the man Cam Newton. So they're not quiet there. I'll tell you that. No, and and that again, you know, we talk about the East. It's a fan base that continues. Uh, I mean, it's a it's it's a, a side of the SEC that continues to get better. There's a lot of momentum on that side. Kentucky is one of those teams that has really taken the momentum under Mark Stoops. They had a down year last year, but Mark Stoops has immediately turned that around. He's got Devin Leary at quarterback. They got Ray Davis from Vanderbilt. Um, you know, it's going to be a good team. Mark Stoops' defense has been consistently one of the top 25 defenses in the nation uh, almost every year that he's been there. I think five out of the six years they've been a top 25 team. So really solid, solid um, program there. 
Um, and I think this year they're they're due for potentially double digit wins. You know, they got a few toss up games, but um, I don't think Missouri's one of them. So Missouri gets the loss there. Then they go play South Carolina. They get Missouri gets South Carolina at home. And what do you, what do you think about that game? We've already called that on the South Carolina side, but let's get the perspective from a, from the Missouri side. I mean, I think it'll be another close game. Again, their defense is going to keep them somewhat in games. I just don't see the South Carolina. We've talked about it the whole time. The momentum with South Carolina is ginormous. So that is what's going to lead South Carolina to beat Missouri. And I think this is where the hot seat starts getting real hot when they lose to South Carolina at home. It's going to be tough to understand to the boosters, for the coach to go to the boosters and be like, well, this is why, and blah, 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 and try and save his job. I think this is where his hot seat gets real hot. Yeah, to this point, you know, you're just under 500. You know, a South Carolina game seems like a game you should win. The Vandy game seems like a game you should win. Um, you know, if you can't beat Vandy and then you can't come back and beat South Carolina, you know, now you're looking at a slate of being, you know, what, three and four, I'm sorry, three and five overall, um, you know, on your schedule. And uh, you go into a bye week, but what's on the backside of that bye week? But Georgia, at Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas. Now, I don't think Florida's anything, you know, Florida doesn't have much to write home home about but georgia tennessee back-to-back weeks and then you finish the season with at arkansas that's no easy stretch no in fact the only easy there's air quotes with this is florida uh yeah i just i don't think florida's got it this year uh but georgia that's gonna be murder at georgia i know it was close last year but i think georgia fans might remember that and want to be eaten yep tennessee Try. I mean, maybe because Tennessee's lost a quarterback, maybe your defense can hold them a little bit lower, but I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, but that's a team that put up 66 on you yeah. last year. I know Hendon Hooker was good, but, I mean. Joe Milton, or what's his name? Yeah, Joe, Joe, Milton. Joe Milton, you know, he's going to go out there and. He's not that bad. He's not that bad. <laughs> and by that point in the season, you're talking about, you know, 10 games into the season. Um, you know, going back to your comment about after the South Carolina game, does the seat get hot? I think after the Vandy loss, the seat gets hot. I think the South Carolina game becomes the test. I think they look at LSU. You know, if you're a booster at Missouri, you look at Kentucky and you say, okay, I want to see you play some spirited play. I want to see you playing hard. You know, yeah, we obviously know you're probably not going to win those games. But the South Carolina game, they're going to say, okay, can you get over the hump? If you can win that game, you know, maybe we still got a chance to go to a bowl game and show some improvement. After a South Carolina game, you get a bye. I think I think if Drinkwitz loses that South Carolina game and everything goes as we've said, you know, we think it's going to go for Missouri. I think Eli Drinkwitz gets let go. I think so too. Um, you know, so I I didn't want to be that bold to say that, but that's kind of what I was getting at is that South Carolina game might be his job. Yeah, I think October twenty second will be a key date for Missouri. Um, that is the Sunday, um, and uh, after that South Carolina game. So they they get the bye week. They come back. They play at Georgia. I don't I don't I don't give them any shot this year to even no. make that game close. No, like I said, Georgia that Georgia definitely didn't get any worse. <laughs> They're just replacing at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, Georgia's one question is really at the quarterback position. We broke down Georgia. Um, they've got some other questions, some defensive leadership. Who's going to step up? But talent wise, Georgia's 
can out-talent every single team in the SEC, including Alabama, including LSU. They over-talent every single team. Um, there, I don't think there's any way that, that they let that game come close. I think they remember last year, like yeah. you said, um, and, and they, don't, they don't let that one yeah, be close. Your name might be circled even. Uh, yeah. They might be – Saying, "Hey, we shouldn't overlook these guys." <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll post that 22 to six score, 22 26 score, Whoa. and and you know say, "Hey, it ain't getting that close." Kirby, Kirby will probably just say, "Hey, they they're predicting us to lose." To yeah, absolutely. He'll probably sell his team that, that there's some pundit out there. <laughs> he he might pay somebody to just just to say it. So, um, you know, but uh, but yeah, I don't think I don't think Missouri can win that game. Then they play Tennessee. They get Tennessee at home in Missouri. I don't give them any shot there either. No. Uh, again, Tennessee hasn't gotten any worse as far as offensively. And Missouri, you haven't gotten that much better offensively. So if you can't outscore Tennessee, what you're, you're going to have a hard time winning that game because they score, and they score a lot. No, often. you know, and, and one thing about Missouri's team, when you, when you think about being a defensive team, you do have to have some semblance of offense in order to move the ball maybe to pin a team back and put a team back on their heels and that type thing. But I don't know that Missouri was really able to move the ball much. So, you know, they may get the ball on the 25-yard line, but they go three and out. They punt it down. A team may be able to move the ball. Teams were able to move the ball a little bit on them but and put up some points on them. Um, overall, their defense was good, but if your defense is on the field all game, they wear out. Yeah, I, it's the oldest story. uh Wear down the defense on the other side. Just keep wearing them down. It works for the same if your offense scores too quick or if they get off the field too quick. You have to give your defense a break if you want to have a chance at beating teams with a good offense. Yeah, and this is a team that needs balance. Um, and I just I don't see what, with who they've got coming back. I don't see where, where this is a team that's got balance um, coming back and uh, will we'll be able to um, do much, uh, much different than they did last year. So, Loss at Tennessee, then they go, they play Florida at home. Um, Emmett, what do you have there for, for that Florida-Missouri game? Florida fans, God rest your soul, because y'all are going to – it's going to get bad. I, I don't – I was looking at y'all's schedule. I don't I don't see hardly any wins. It's going to be a tough season for y'all. I just don't see where the talent is. I don't see any sort of improvement. Y'all are in a worse spot than Missouri. Y'all have no momentum not even a sliver chance of a hope. At least Eli Drinkowitz is like, you know, still upbeat when he talks. I haven't even heard Florida's coach yet. And I mean, yeah, Billy Napier, he sounds a lot like Nick Saban. I mean, legitimately, when you hear him talk and he he legit tries to emulate Nick Saban. I don't know if that's from his couple of years that he spent with Saban or um if that's just how he, you know, naturally talks. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's it's good to emulate, you know, somebody that's yeah. as successful as Saban is. Um but there's not a ton of energy there, right? And no. and it, honestly, if if I can throw his net, it it reminds me a lot of Brian Harson, right? Brian Harson yeah. said a lot of the kind of the Pat Dye type things, like being hard nosed football, and you know, hey, it's going to take time, and all these type things. But then you see programs like you know a, a Shane Beamer program at South Carolina, Mark Stoops at Kentucky, um, Clark Lee even at Vanderbilt. Kirby uh, Smart. Kirby's, that guy lights a fire underneath. Yeah, him. I mean, all these guys are very spirited. They bring a ton of energy um, with while still getting that same message across that, hey, you got to be passionate. you got to come out there. you know, you got to play hard. And I think Billy Napier probably does that in the locker room, yeah. but it's just not something you hear from the media too often. No, and you got to do it in front of the media. Like, 
uh, I heard somebody say it. I forgot what his name was. But being a head coach at a football program, and the SEC especially, you're not just coaching football. You're a recruiter. You are a politician. You Your job is to get people to love you so that you create an energy around your program so that people want to come there. Recruits is who I'm talking about. You want to get recruits wanting to look at your school. Who wants to look at Florida right now? It's dead. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a tough place, you know. I think one of the worst things that has happened with Florida, too, is they've been this program that uh, has really been kind of average, right around average, you know, sort of that 7-5, 8-4 for a long, long time. They've had some down years, maybe a 6-6 six and six or a losing record type season. Um, but it doesn't seem like they've really bought into the fact of, you know, hey, you're you're bad and you need to drastically improve yeah. to get back where you want to. It seems like there's this feeling that Florida's always, oh, you're almost there, you're almost there, when really, in reality, you're not. You're nowhere close. No, and I think this is a season where <clears throat> they have bent, and I think this is a season where it breaks. You can't bend any more than what you have. Uh, the dam is going to break. Which can be a good thing. Yeah, you know, you've got to hit rock bottom to go up. Yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned it. We, we talk about when, when Emin and I talk Auburn, we talk about how, you know, hey, look, it, it, in some ways it was good that we went 5-7 and seven because expectations are lowered. Um, you know, your, your expectation of, of winning certain games and going into a season, they are a little bit lower. And it's not because we don't hope that they win. It's not because you don't believe you got the right guy. It's not because you don't believe you can. It's just – Hey, we need to take the steps, right? There's yeah. certain steps you got. Even when you look at Kirby Smart's first year, they went eight and five, I believe. Yeah. When you look at uh, Nick Saban's first year, um, I believe he went seven and five at yeah. Alabama. Uh, in fact, I think he ended up having to vacate some of those ones, so some of those ones don't even appear on the record books anymore. But you know, went seven and five is a lot of times these first years. You know, you are really setting a new culture and, and creating something new there, which is fine if you're building that momentum. And I'll give Napier credit. He's got a lot of recruiting momentum going this year. Yeah. When you look at 2023, I think they've got a top three class right now, and they're almost full. They, they got, I think, on 247 Sports, they've got uh, a 270 rating, which is typically somewhere in the top 10 overall at the end of the day. The big question is, can they hold on to those recruits through this season? I don't think so. Uh, who wants to go to that team? I, again, you look at the way Auburn finished last year. Again, we were bad. But you go watch that Texas A&M game. Cadillac coaching the team. The fan that was a packed house. Fans are going crazy. We were terrible, guys. We were terrible. And the fans are going nuts for this very below average team. As a recruit, I'm like, what? what is that about? Like, what is that? A three and six team versus a three and six team, and it's a packed house. You would have thought it was the Iron Bowl. Yeah, you know, in Auburn, it, I mean, was, it, was, it was a crazy environment. Uh, Cadillac lit he, again. That's why I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about people that can light a fire. He came in, and immediately the fan base went crazy. It was just like something changed. Yep. And when we break down Auburn, I'm going to talk about it as if it were two different seasons. It because it was. It was like a second team appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, it was, and I think that's one thing, you know, Florida fans uh, really need to, are going to have to figure out, they're going to have to find somebody that can really motivate that team. Um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, hey, you got to give Napier a chance. I don't I don't know if he deserves it. I really don't know what to make of Billy Napier. You know, he's, he's a 
tough coach to get a to get a read on. So, um, but we do think Missouri gets the win versus Florida. We think it's another loss on Florida's schedule. Um, and then to wrap up the season there, Missouri just to just to wrap up this Missouri podcast here. Um, they play at Arkansas. You know, we think Arkansas is a, a pretty good team this year. We've already kind of broken down this game a little bit, but I think Arkansas gets the win versus yeah, Missouri. I just think it goes down to talent. And at this point in the season, after everything that's happened to them, losing those SEC games, there's not a lot of motivation there to win. And no. And and even if you take out some of the flip games, you know, Vanderbilt could be a flip game. South Carolina could be a flip game. You know, we've given you one of the games versus Florida. I don't see Missouri beating LSU, Kentucky, Tennessee, or Florida. I just I don't see Enjoy. that happening. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, LSU, uh, Kentucky, Tennessee, or Georgia. Um, that's four losses right there. I don't see them beating K State. That's five losses. So, you know, you're narrowing down the number of opportunities you got. You got to play at Kentucky. That's a that that would be a tough win for them to pull out. Yeah. Talking about six losses now, right? So they're, they're going to have to pull off one of a win versus Vandy, South Carolina, and Florida. We're giving them the Florida win just because we where we think Florida's going to be uh, this time next year, uh, this time this late um, in the season. Um, and so um, overall, we've got Missouri going four and eight. Um, really tough year for the Tigers. Um, don't know if Drink can make it through the season. Um, or, or how where the Tigers go from there. Um, seems like they may have some transfers maybe out of there or something like that happens, uh, maybe into a whole new rebuild. Um, Emma, any other closing remarks on, on Missouri? Uh, and if Drinkowitz loses his job, you know, go, go get your guy. I mean, hopefully y'all can see this as the rock bottom year. I Personally, I don't know. I mean, yeah, this kind of seems on par for Missouri. Right. Uh which is sad to say, but it's just how it is. But if you fire your coach, you can start over. That's the beauty of getting a new coach is equal opportunity to do just better in general. Um, you got to go get him. You got to go get your guy. And I don't think, I don't think Drew Kowitz is the guy. No, I don't think so either. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's got a lot of spark to him. Um, he, he talks with a little bit of energy talking about, you know, him versus maybe a Billy Napier. Um, but just hasn't really been able to, to put it together. So, um, we'll see what, um, we'll see what, what Missouri can do. Hopefully they can come out there and surprise teams. You never want to hear about a coach losing a job, never want to see a team having a losing record, but unfortunately it happens. And when you look at Missouri's schedule, it just seems to be the way it's going to play out for them. They get a couple good non-conference, a couple decent non-conference wins. But playing Kansas State, having LSU as a cross uh, cross game, um, and and Arkansas as a cross uh, cross conference game, those are two uh, tough games to have this year. That's it for um, our Missouri podcast. Um, on the next episode of the Behan Brothers, we're going to cover the Tennessee football team. That's a team with a lot of questions. Can Joe Milton be the guy at quarterback? Can he follow in Hendon Hooker's footsteps? Can Josh Heupel revamp that offense and repeat what he did last year? And then really the big question is, what comes of that Tennessee defense? Can they put their foot in the ground, and can they get a few stops this year in some key big games in order for them to win a a few more games this year, and can they get back to Atlanta? 
That's it for the Behan Brothers. Make sure to uh, follow us uh, on Facebook and Twitter at Behan Brothers for the latest SEC news, stories, and more.